energy so stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, used to have everything we need. Welcome to Village Mentality, where melanated people are connected in spirit, love, and community. What's up, kings and queens, beautiful people everywhere? It's your girl, C.K. McGee, and I am your host. Hey there, beautiful people. How's everyone doing? I pray that you are all doing as well as you can be. Welcome back for another season of Village Mentality. I'm so glad to have you all here with me in the village. And as always, I look forward to being with each and every one of you every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I would also like to take this time to welcome those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time. Now, you can catch all previous episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and The Awakened Lounge. I also provide links to each episode on Instagram and Facebook, and I'll share those links with you at the end of the show. Now, as a mental health advocate with lived experience, each week, I'll be talking about different topics that could impact our mental health particularly within BIPOC communities. The stigma of mental illness and conversations about our mental health can be more difficult for marginalized and intersectional groups, and it interferes with our ability to take care of our mental health as we should. Now, there will be times here on the show when I'll talk about self-care practices that are essential in helping us to rejuvenate our spirits and souls so that we can continue to be the fantabulous kings and queens that we most definitely are. And I'll be right here to remind us of that fact each and every week. Now, if you've heard the show before, then you also know that there will be plenty of music as well. So now, without further ado, I believe that it's time for me to take my first walk of the evening to my musical jukebox. Our first song of the evening was written by this English musician and songwriter, Bernie Taupin. It was from his 1983 album, Too Low for Zero. It was the second single released from the album in the UK and the first single released here in the States. Helped by a video promoting the song on the then new MTV, this became a big hit on both sides of the Atlantic peaking at number four in the UK and number 12 on the US Billboard Hot 100. Here's a fun fact for you guys. One of the dancers in this video just happens to be a judge on the popular dance competition show here in the US called Dancing with the Stars. That's right, Village. I'm speaking of none other than Bruno. And for those of you who are familiar with the show, 
he is always so very animated whenever he's given his critiques. <laughs> so here's Sir Elton John with I'm Still Standing.
Break My Stride by American recording artist Matthew Wilder. It was released in October 1983 as the lead single from his debut album, I Don't Speak the Language, and it became a worldwide major hit single for him in late 1983 and in the spring of 1984, reaching number five on the Billboard Hot 100 and number two on the Cashbox Top 100. So, so far, Village, you know that I'm still standing and nobody's going to break my stride. How are you feeling this evening? Well, Village, you know me. I like to take a little bit of time to talk about some things, whether it be about current events, entertainment, or something that's just on my mind. So why don't we get into my segment called Let's Talk About It. All right, beautiful people. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month, okay? Now, mental health, it refers to our emotional and social well-being, and it impacts how we think, feel, and behave. It plays a role in connecting with others, in our decision-making, and our ability to handle stress, and many other aspects of daily life. Everyone has mental health, all right? Let me just say that again. Everyone has mental health. You may not have mental illness, but everyone has mental health. And it deserves your attention just as much as your physical health does, right? We're always so focused on our physical health and we don't seem to realize that there are other aspects of our health that we have to be mindful of, okay? And that includes our mental health. These past couple of years, we've been dealing with the pandemic. And if you've been listening to the news, as I'm sure you probably have from time to time, I am sure that you've heard conversations about how our mental health has taken a hit as a result of being isolated, you know, the tremendous amount of lives that were lost, as well as all the adjustments that we've all had to make. All right, so, I mean, if you think about it, we're just now starting to get to a point, Village, where a lot of the restrictions that were put in place, you know, for our safety are just now starting to be lifted across the country, okay? So you may ask yourself, you know what, CK, why, why, why should I care about mental health? Well, 
mental health is important for all of us. As I just said, we all have it, right? So taking care of yourself is critical in order to prevent your mental health from worsening factors like nutrition, even gut health, stress, sleep, relationships, and trauma, okay? And a lot more can contribute to poor mental health outcomes. If your mental health is in a good spot, that is wonderful. But it is also a great time for you to start practicing some coping skills, you know, ways to help you deal with some hard feelings that you may experience from time to time so that you're better able to handle those tough times when they happen, okay? Now, some may wonder if poor health is the same as having a mental health condition, okay? Now, there are going to be times when you may experience poor mental health without having a diagnosable condition, okay? So there might be some times where you do feel a little bit down, okay? Uh, that you do feel a little bit anxious, but you don't have a diagnosis. Still though, it's not for you to ignore those feelings, right? So, you know, like you would um, generally, um, you know, consider your physical health Sometimes you can be unhealthy without having a particular illness, right? So a mental health concern is anything that causes a person to believe that their mental health may be suffering. You don't need to be diagnosed again, okay, with a mental health condition to be dealing with a mental health concern, right? Many people struggle with not feeling, quote unquote, sick enough, to seek help early on in their mental health journey. You'd be surprised. The average delay between symptoms that you experience and the onset is about 11 years. You know, like the onset of the symptoms, excuse me, and then like the treatment that you receive for those symptoms, it's like 11 years. A lot of people will be dealing with these feelings for a very long period of time without recognizing their need or, you know, it to be attended to, to get them, to get some support, to get some help. So people spend months or years facing these mental health challenges before even getting a diagnosis. I'm one of those people. All right. I, I can tell you looking back and I can tell you as a result of a conversation that I had with even one of my siblings who brought something to my attention, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time that I hadn't thought about, you know, I had attributed what was going on in my life to a certain event, you know, that then caused a, a, a deep, deep depression and um, other things that went along with that. But, but they said to me, you've always been depressed. You've, you've always, you've always dealt with depression. It's not just because of this one event. And at first, you know, I wanted to reject the idea of that, but sometimes you just need to go sit down somewhere and think about things. And when I did that, I recognized that, yes, I had been struggling. And when you think about like all of the years, you know, as a child, as a, a teenager, as a, a young adult, I did not receive a diagnosis till 1999. Okay. So I was like in my twenties um, already by the time that I was actually diagnosed with major depressive disorder and an anxiety disorder called agoraphobia. So um, it is true that that many years can go by as we struggle with these different feelings and we don't know what to do with them, right? So it is never too early when you're sensing something is going on with you 
to seek treatment, right? If you want help for your mental health, then you deserve to get it. I wish that I was around somebody who told me that all those years ago, you know? So that's why I'm here today. Maybe there's somebody out there that's listening that needs to hear this message. Understand that you are definitely not alone in how you're feeling. And, you know, please, I encourage you to go and get help because you don't have to feel this way, you know? It's not easy, but there is help out there, okay? Now, what is a mental health condition? What is a mental health condition? A mental health condition or, or mental illness it refers to a set of symptoms that have been identified by the mental health community, okay? Mental health conditions, they are described in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is otherwise known as DM, excuse me, DSMV. So David, Sam, me, Victor, okay? That's the, the Diagnostic Manual. Or you may find some answers in the International Classification of Diseases, which is also known as ICD-11. Or you might be able to get some knowledge, get some help from people like myself with lived experience, right? People with mental health conditions, they deal with changes in emotions, in their thinking and or their behavior, right? And for some, this means extreme and unexpected changes in mood like feeling much more sad, worried than usual. For others, it means not thinking clearly, pulling away from friends and activities that you used to enjoy, or hearing voices that others do not hear. So, you know, it's not cookie cut, okay? Individuals experience different symptoms across the board, and they experience them to varying degrees. Some, it could be, you know, um, minimal, and others, it can be extreme. Right? So these are definitely things that you want to pay attention to. All right? Um, to be diagnosed, the changes in your thinking and in your emotions must be seriously hurting your ability to do the things that you want to do and sticking around a lot longer than they should for weeks or for months. And depending on the condition, it could be for years. No matter what kind of mental health condition someone is facing, it's always possible to recover. Now, this is something, ladies and gentlemen, that, you know, decades ago was never thought to be possible, okay? There was a time when they did not think that if you had a mental health condition, that recovery was possible, okay? And, you know, people, when they are, excuse me, when they are recovering, they can be in different stages of that recovery, all right? We're not talking about the word healed, so to speak. We're talking about recovery. And each individual who's dealing with those conditions needs to decipher for themselves what recovery looks like to them, right? One thing that's happening more so now in the mental health community is that it's becoming more person-centered rather, rather than the traditional medical model <clears throat> that was utilized, you know, back in the day that just focused simply on symptoms and not really the person. Today, it's more person-centered, right? And so there are more resources that are becoming available all the time. They're out there. And, you know, I'm going to talk about some of those resources throughout the course of this month, all right? 
Now, I would also like to mention, Village, that in communities of color, BIPOC communities, seeking help from mental health professionals can be a bit challenging, okay? You know, we're, we're, we're getting into the areas of things like cultural competency, cultural responsiveness, cultural humility. All of those things are more of a reality today than they ever have been before, okay? So they are starting to recognize the challenges that are faced, you know, because if you're somebody and you go into therapy and you're talking about the stressors, let's say, in your life that are triggering symptoms, um, if you're talking to somebody who is not in the kind of environment that you're in, who doesn't know what it is to go through the kind of stressors that you've experienced, and um, who has no understanding about how those stressors can impact your, your mental health, they'll be looking at you like you have five heads. We don't need that, right? So more and more, there is an ability to find people, even if they're not, you know, the same, you know, um, eth ethnic group from the same ethnic group as you, but that they have dedicated their practice to, you know, forming allyship and being understanding about what it is communities of colors uh, excuse me, communities of color struggle with um, that may be different experiences from non-communities of color, then that's what we're looking for. That's what we're focusing on, right? So you have to be able to determine what's a good fit for you. So it might take a little bit of work. It might take a little bit of research, but at the end of the day, it will be worth it, all right? And this is, of course, no matter what your background is, you deserve to get the help that you need, all right? So let's all do what we can to help break the stigma so that we can normalize conversations around our mental health and learn how to provide effective support to those around us with mental health conditions. Here's to brighter days. Now, kings and queens, this next story was something that I heard about, uh, I guess, a few months ago, right? And it's happening in East Hampton Village, New York, which is in Long Island. It's a police department that's there, and they are taking a bold step to address the mental health of its members. Now, under the unique initiative, East Hampton Village officers are required to go for mental health therapy sessions. And this was reported by CBS2 News. Now, the mental health check that they're required to go on will be just as routine as, you know, taking the test for their firearms or EMT training. That is awesome. I'm so excited to hear about this. Everyone has to go, whether they wanna go or not. It's mandated, said Mayor Jerry Larson. And maybe they'll open up to the therapist and maybe it'll help somebody, right? Larson, who is a veteran police chief, is removing the stigma by requiring all police and dispatchers to attend a private counseling session. Now, psychotherapist Mary Bromley, who has long worked with law enforcement, said, police, they're on the front lines of tragedy and at times carnage. They need support, right? They hold so much trauma and so much anxiety and sadness, and that ripples down to marital issues 
and substance use issues. Says, police need an opportunity to vent, to cry, to get angry, and get help, even in the idyllic Hamptons, according to her. Now, I don't call it a mental health evaluation, she said. I call it a confidential conversation, she says. Disclosure of suicidal feelings or depression. She said, these are important conversations that need to be had. Now, unfortunately, this initiative comes a little too late for one of East Hampton Village's uh, detectives who died by suicide, okay? Um, Probably within weeks of when I saw this news report a few months ago. And there was an alarming rate of law enforcement deaths by suicide nationwide, okay? There were 169 reported in 2021. And while chaplains, peer, and wellness support are available at other departments, it's not mandated, right? So the East Hampton Village PBA said there was absolutely no pushback to this idea. Union official Stephen Nichols hopes that others will discuss this type of opportunity because he believes that it'll be beneficial. And actually, so do I. You know, we, we look at our police officers and, and although we find that in some cases, their behavior is not ideal, and that is to say the very least, we do have to remember that they are human beings. And just like, you know, um, things impact us, we have to also remember how it can impact them. And we see things every single day that the average person does not see, right? So I'm so pleased to hear about this. Very happy to hear about it. Now, it's a first, says Mayor Larson, and he does hope that it will become a part of a nationwide police reform. When you need help, you're expecting somebody to come and help you. But we haven't really made sure that the person who's coming to help you has all the tools that they need, said Larson. And he hopes that it trickles down to the public, you know, the police taking the time to take care of themselves. It's important. It makes a difference. It will make a difference. He said, we will have a police force that is self-reflective and takes care of themselves, which will make them less impulsive and less angry. The mandate for now is just one session every three years. And I know that's like, really? Once every three years? But listen, we have to start somewhere, beautiful people, don't we? We have to start somewhere. But the mayor is expecting that it quickly ramps up to annual sessions. I believe that once these officers um, get a taste of being able to get some relief, you know, for the feelings that they're experiencing and what they continue to hold inside, knowing that there's a safe space for them to be able to talk about those feelings and to have those feelings addressed, I believe they definitely will amp up and more and more people are going to want to step up and utilize um, this opportunity, right? Just like a physical, okay? So the sessions, they are paid for by East Hampton Village and then optional follow-ups are covered by insurance and they remain confidential. Kudos, kudos, kudos to the East Hampton Village Police Department for encouraging their officers to take care of their mental health and well-being, recognizing the importance of doing so, not only for themselves, but for the community that they serve, right? 
it would be a wonderful thing to see other police departments follow their lead. We can only hope and pray because no matter who you are, your mental health, it matters, ladies and gentlemen. If you or someone you know is struggling or if you're experiencing thoughts of suicide or self-harm or thinking of harming someone else, please know that you are not alone. There is support for you. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and that number is 1-800-273-8255. Now, actress Tessa Thompson has started a new production company that highlights people of color. Now, she has starred in movies like Men in Black International, Creed, and just recently, Passing, you know, just to name a few. Now she's striving to create jobs for more actors like her, for more people of color. Her production company is called Viva Maud, and it works with HBO and HBO Max. Now, Thompson's plan is to bring new and refreshing stories to the screen. As of 2021, there's only news of two books that are being adapted uh, to the screen by her company. New voices, she says, are the reasons why Viva Maud caught my attention. Production companies, they come and they go, but their stories aren't always diverse, okay? She says white leads are more common than people of color. White stories have become the norm when they're not the norm in reality. Movies and TV shows should reflect Americans as they are diverse and they come from many backgrounds. And she's right. Now, Deadline, which is an online news site that covers entertainment industry news, they reported back in 2018 that Black characters, um, as far as representation, were up to like 16.9%, about 17%. Okay, while Asians were at 8.2%, and everyone else kind of remained at the the 5.6%, I would say, right? And they said that it was due to Black Panther and the movie Crazy Rich Asians, both of which came out in 2018. And those films, they did very well, I may add, at the box office, proving that people do show up to see people of color you know, in in the movies, all right? They are interested in those stories. Even so, last year, USA Today reported that two out of three Black Americans did not think that that they or their culture were represented on screen. So we're still feeling like there is, you know, um, a lack of representation. It's always something to work on, right? So hopefully, beautiful people, Tessa Thompson and Bridge the Gap for people of color's voices to be heard and be seen on screen, to be known. And, you know, even those that are unknown to the screen, introducing like that new talent. You know, sometimes you just have to be the change in the world that you would like to see. And our queen, Tessa Thompson, is well on her way. English singer, songwriter, 
recorded this song for her second album, 21. It is the lead single and opening track on the album. The song was written by the singer and Paul Epworth. The singer herself describes it as a dark, bluesy, gospel, disco tune. What a description, huh? And in 2011, it was reportedly the biggest crossover hit in the United States since 1985. It gained radio airplay from many different radio formats. And it was the first, which was released on November 29, 2010, as the lead single from 21 in digital download format, okay? Now the lyrics describe the emotions of a scorned lover. In this song village, it received widespread critical acclaim with praise drawn towards the song's production, its lyrics, and this singer's vocal performance. It represented a commercial breakthrough for her, propelling her to global superstardom, right? Now, the song, it topped the charts in 12 countries and reached the top 10 in over 20 territories. It was her first number one song here in the U.S., reaching the top spot on many of Billboard charts, including the Billboard Hot 100, where it was number one for seven weeks. Now, I could go on and on about her, but instead, I'll just let you guys listen to the song, okay? <laughs> Here's Adele with Rolling in the Deep. There's a fire starting in my heart Reaching a fever pitch and it's bringing me out the dark Finally I can see you crystal clear Go ahead and sell me out and I'll lay your ship back Keep 
This next song was recorded by these R&B singers for the soundtrack of the 1992 film Boomerang. And the collaboration was released as a single that same year, reaching number 29 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number two on the Billboard Hot R&B Singles Chart. Behind, I should say, another song from the Boomerang soundtrack, Boys to Men's End of the Road. Here's R&B crooner, Kenneth Babyface Edmund, and the queen of LaFace Records, Tony Braxton, with Give You My Heart. And when we come back, I will get into today's topic.
Okay, beautiful people. So today's topic is going to be about microaggressions. Yes, microaggressions and how they impact our mental health. All right, now I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term, but microaggressions um, can become a very common experience among a lot of marginalized groups or individuals, right? Now, perhaps as a person of color, you may have been told by a non-person of color things like this. You speak very well, right? Or you are indeed a credit to your race. Or perhaps you've even been asked, can I touch your hair? Right? Sound familiar? Oh, wait, wait, wait. How about this? How about this one? I'm sure that we've all heard this one. Okay? Are you ready? Black Lives Matter which was a plea, if you will, in response to racial and social injustice. And guess what the response always been? All lives matter, right? I know you guys have heard that. Those are all examples of microaggressions. Now, quite frankly, if all lives really did matter, <laughs> then a lot would be different in this world and equity would be true for everyone regardless of their complexion, their gender, or sexual orientation. We still got some work to do in those areas, don't we? I think you all understand what I'm saying. Now, we're going to look at microaggressions through a mental health lens. I mean, after all, considering the fact that I'm a mental health advocate, what else would you expect, right? Shouldn't surprise me. So why is it important to talk about this? Well, because I believe that by doing so, it will hopefully help to reduce some of the burden that marginalized people face in the workplace or at school or even at home. It's an opportunity to educate ourselves and to grow as we continue to bring awareness to unconscious biases that quite frankly, we are all capable of unintentionally committing. Okay, so it's not just that um, it happens to communities of color, even members of BIPOC communities can also commit microaggressions to others. That's why it's important to, to understand how this all works. So let's learn together. Okay, I love to learn. What about you? Now, what exactly are microaggressions? Microaggressions are subtle but distinctly intolerant comments actions, behaviors, or environments directed against marginalized people or groups of people, okay? So you can either target an individual or you can target a group because of, um, you know, where they come from, what their background is, whether it's race, whether it's gender, whether it's LBG, you know, it, it, you know your sexual orientation, all of those things um, could be reasons why you are targeted with these uh, comments. Now, they are vague and ambiguous forms of discrimination, all right? Those who commit microaggressions are often influenced by internalized biases that they themselves may not even recognize that they have, which makes it very difficult for a person who's on the receiving end of these comments to confront it or speak up about why it's discriminatory, okay? But that's why we have to like know what it is and, you know, as we're talking about it, as I said, you know, you can think about in your life, have you ever experienced anything like that? 
People with mental illnesses or disorders are among the many marginalized groups who experience microaggressions from those around them. And even though they may not appear prejudiced or hurtful on the surface, microaggressions can cause those who they target significant levels of distress and discomfort. So for those who are already struggling to maintain a healthy mindset, microaggressions can build up over time and contribute to a destructive internalized dialogue. All right, so we totally don't need that, right? And this can actually set them back years and undo the valuable progress that they've made through the therapy and the support that they have received, all right? Now, it should be known that African-American psychiatrist, Dr. Chester M. Pierce, I wonder if he's a relation, was the first to coin the term microaggression, all right? Dr. Pierce. Now, while race and ethnicity are the most familiar marginalized groups that people associate with microaggressions, people with mental illness can also experience microaggressions as well as other groups. But as I said, the focus today is on mental health. So what are some examples of mental health microaggressions? Educating yourself about identifying and avoiding mental health microaggressions will allow those affected by mental illness to feel more accepted, supported, and safe, okay? So let's look at some of these examples, um, some of the more common forms of microaggressive behavior, and also some other unhelpful comments that people living with mental illness may experience, okay? So number one, the misuse of terminology, okay? Misuse of terminology. Unfortunately, our society, they have a reputation for throwing around terms for serious mental health disorders without really understanding what they mean. So let me give you some examples. Uh, somebody might say, I color code all my study notes. I'm so OCD. Um, I'm, I'm, let me see. I'm thinking that if you color code your study notes, you're organized but you certainly are not experiencing obsessive compulsive disorder, okay? Um, you don't want none of that. So throwing around that term uh, like willy-nilly like that is completely unacceptable. And it's not realistic, it's not true, all right? This weather is so bipolar. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've lived in the, the Northeast all my life. And for those of us, us Northeasterners, we understand that, you know, when it comes to the different seasons that we experience, our weather can be a very unsettling. Just because the calendar said, says spring, for instance, we can still be at times experiencing winter-like weather, right? But the weather is not bipolar, okay? And I've missed my favorite show. Dang it, I'm so depressed. <laughs> again okay missing your show first of all in this day and era and the way that you know television is um there are so many ways for you to be able to catch up on the episodes that you've missed i hardly think that if it's that important to you it's an issue but you certainly are not expressing excuse me experiencing depression as a result of it okay so again throwing around those terms 
um, it's it's very um, it's very unrealistic, and you cannot use severe um, mental health disorders to explain you know how you're feeling in that moment, especially if you are not a person that's dealing with those mental health conditions. Using serious mental illnesses as descriptions of your current mood or situation, it not only contributes to inaccurate stigma, but it can also make those around you who are genuinely affected feel misunderstood and invalidated, okay? Number two, assumptions and stereotyping. Another way that people with mental health disorders can be the victims of microaggression is through false assumptions and negative stereotyping. So let me let me show you what this can look like. All right. If you're avoiding them because of the belief that they are untrustworthy or dangerous. Okay. Labeling individuals as quote unquote crazy if they take prescription medication or go to therapy. Okay. We really, really, really want to do our best to stay away from the word crazy. Okay. You don't you don't want to do that. Don't use that word. All right. Excluding people from social activities because they'll be a downer. Oh my God. Like every time CK is around, she's just always so like, you know, just like sad into herself. And I just, I just really don't want to be bothered with that. Okay. Like sometimes you never know the difference that you can make in a person's life when you actually treat them like they're a human being. They may be going through a hard time. They may be struggling, but it is no reason to, you know, um, subject them to that kind of behavior and to make them feel even worse as a result of your ignorance about what they're going through and your inability to provide effective support. Imagine if someone took something that you're not really feeling very good about and they sort of like, you know, put you away as a result of not wanting to deal with you. Huh? Would that make you feel good? I want you to think about that. Now these stigmatizing beliefs about what you can expect from someone with a mental illness are painfully narrow-minded. Mental health disorders are widely, okay? They, they're, they affect people in a wide array of, of different, you know, um, in, in different ways, I should say. Not everything is cookie cut. Not everybody experiences things in the same way or to the same, you know, um, degree. Okay. So it's not monolithic, just like black people are not monolithic. You know, all of us can dance, all of us can sing, all of us can play sports and be really, really good at it. There are others that do different things within the black community. We're not all the same. Okay within and of itself is a form of microaggression by believing that, all right? Um, don't lump people all together, all right? And and lump them all into this, this big negative category because it's divisive and it's uncaring. Number three, doubting the existence or severity of a mental illness. Now, another common form of microaggression towards people who struggle with mental health disorders is the doubting or the uh, of the validity or the extent of the person's the person's illness it's almost like people doubting racism exists or sexism exists or ableism exists okay um those things are not stories that people make up 
Those are the experiences of individuals each and every day. Same thing when it comes to mental illness, okay? Unlike someone on crutches or in a wheelchair or someone who may be missing a limb, okay? Mental illness, it's invisible. There is no physical indicator. So it's a lot easier to doubt that the person struggles with a condition. But just because you can't see it doesn't make it any less true for the person that's experiencing it, right? Often parents and friends engage in this type of unintentional aggression to convince both themselves and the person in question that there's no real issue. So the comments that they use to express this outlook include things like this. You know, I'm sure you're just overreacting, okay? It's really not that bad, okay? Look, depression is a very heavy word, all right? Everyone gets sad from time to time. I mean, that's just life. Or you seem fine to me. So, you know what, just give it some time. You'll, you'll get over it eventually. All of those kinds of things, not helpful. I've often said before on this show, and I'll say it again, and probably will say it many times more, words matter. Words are important and they are impactful. You have no idea how what you're saying to somebody can affect them. And I'll go on to say that could maybe even tip them over the edge. What I'm saying is we need to be more thoughtful about what we're saying to ourselves and to each other. Okay. And I don't want to hear somebody saying, oh my God, well, I can't be myself. I have to like say, yes, because if being yourself means that you sit around all day insulting people and causing harm to people, then you might just want to think about, you know, some changes that might need to occur because that's not who you should want to be. And quite frankly, it's not something that people are going to want to be around. So if you start thinking about it this way, how would I want to be treated? Then perhaps that can inspire you to treat other people better. I mean, think about that. Let that marinate. Number four, avoidance or um, acknowledgement, okay? Again, pretending that a mental disorder does not exist, it will not make it go away, all right? It often only ends up making the person experiencing it feel undermined and overlooked. Avoiding the acknowledgement of a mental illness can manifest itself in these ways. A guardian or a parent who refuses to send a child to therapy. Not being willing to engage in conversation about mental illness, all right? You know, there will be times when maybe a person who is experiencing a mental health condition or mental illness may not be able to talk about it, right? But it would be nice to know that if and when they are, you're available to support them in that way by listening and allowing them to speak their truth, okay? Treating mental illness like a taboo or an unmentionable subject. Now, a lot of people in, in, in communities of color, that is something that we experience big time. Taboo, don't talk about it. It's unmentionable topic. You don't even say the words, okay? But you just get the impression that there's someone within that family that's dealing with something that the family doesn't want to talk about, okay? Now, this type of microaggression 
often stems from our fear about the severity of a mental illness, or it comes from a lack of understanding about what it means. And sadly, avoiding discussion or treatment for a mental health issue will only frustrate the sufferer and perpetuate the problem, right? Five, blaming and shaming. Some people subscribe to the belief that those with a mental illness have somehow failed at being healthy, okay? They see them as primarily responsible for the issues that they face. And this toxic mindset can cause people with mental illness to become self-loathing or ashamed of their condition. And often this worsens their mental state. Now, blaming and shaming, it looks like this. Pointing out poor life choices as the quote-unquote reasons for why they're in the situation. See, I told you you shouldn't have been involved with such and such. Now look at you. (laughs) You really think that's helpful? I mean, but that's what we do to each other. That's what we say to one another. How about disowning or refusing to associate with someone with a mental illness? Um, Yeah, to a degree, I've experienced that in my own life with people who I thought cared about me and who I cared about. But now I have actually disassociated myself from them because that kind of behavior is very harmful. And it certainly doesn't help on your road to recovery. It doesn't help. But it's very, it's very hurtful. It's very harmful. Okay. And then accusing someone of playing the victim or fishing for sympathy. Now, as I'm giving some of these examples, for those of you who may be experiencing microaggressions in different areas of life, like race, for instance, or, you know, um, you know, uh, having to do with your sexual orientation or what have you, some of this stuff may sound familiar because it happens everywhere, right? That the person who's experiencing the mistreatment is somehow seen as victim sorry, victimizing themselves or, you know, putting on this like, you know, cloak of victimhood simply because they're talking about what's happening to them. And then by talking about what's happening to them, you're just, you're just looking for sympathy. And so that person or acknowledging what's going on with them or talking about what's going on with them, they are seen as the problem instead of focusing on what the real problem is and that's the way you're looking at it (laughs) okay the way you're seeing it is what the problem is not them talking about what they're dealing with them talking about what they're dealing with is what they should do you don't want to have that sit inside of you on your chest so what you then have to learn how to do is be particular and be selective about who it is you can find within your circle people who are in your corner that you're able to talk to about things without being made to feel like you're just looking for attention, okay? Shame is a wildly destructive emotion that will take root quickly if not properly monitored. People with mental health challenges are already likely experiencing feelings of shame. Hello, stigma has already provided us with that the shame, the guilt. That's why a lot of times voices are silenced and people do not speak about what they're dealing with, okay? And it also causes self-doubt. So this type of treatment, it can only heighten those negative feelings that are already there. 
right? So what we have to do is we have to educate, affirm, and accept. That's what we need to do. It's sometimes difficult for us to accept that at some point we have all likely delivered some form of microaggression toward people living with mental illnesses. However, educating ourselves about why it happens and what to do when we see it unfold is the best thing that we can do moving forward. Educating yourself is the first step, followed keenly by loving affirmations and open-minded acceptance of someone's condition. And, you know, by you accepting that condition, it's not to say that this person is just going to wear that condition for the rest of their lives, but it can just be very helpful in their road to recovery, all right? That instead of you minimizing it, instead of you ignoring it, instead of you banishing that person as a result of it, that you accept that this is what they're dealing with and that you find ways to lend effective support. The reason why I make it very clear when I say effective support, I'm saying that if you're going to support someone, you have to meet a person where they're at, not where you want them to be. And you should not be holding your support for ransom or, you know, provide it only on conditional basis. Well, I'll support you only if you do this, how I think you should do it, when I think you should do it. No, that is not support. And all that's really going to do is build resentment. And it, quite frankly, it's probably going to affect the relationship with that person if you approach them that way. Okay. Again, think about yourself. How would you like to be supported? How would you like to be treated if you were having some kind of difficulty all right nobody is perfect none of us on god's green earth is perfect none of us but everyone can do their part in undoing the toxic falsely based stigmas around mental illness that they have internalized over the years i believe in all of us we can do it here's to brighter days Life and peace, you 
songs can stand the test of time, like John Lennon's iconic song, Imagine. From 1971 until this very moment, these lyrics hold true, even some 40 years later. Let's imagine a world at peace without the overbearing barriers of borders or wars sparked by differences in religion and nationality that tear us apart. More so, consider the possibility of living a life detached from material possessions in the name of unifying humanity. This was what the musical genius John, Len John Lennon excuse me, envisioned for us you know, with this ballad, okay? And since then, a number of greats have recorded or performed their versions of the song, from Stevie Wonder to Elton John to Lady Gaga to Madonna. And now Pentatonix has spun their acapella magic, resulting in this stunning take on the classic. Keeping the essence of the track in place, along with their flawlessly synchronized voices, they held up signs, professing inclusion and oneness, regardless of your gender, your religion, 
or your nationality. Okay, Village, so it's time for this week's inspirational story. And this week's story is called Only Time Can Understand Love, All right? So here's the story. Once upon a time, there was an island where all the feelings lived, happiness, sadness, knowledge, and all the others, including love. One day, it was announced to the feelings that the island was going to sink. So they all needed to vacate it as soon as possible. All the feelings prepared their boats and left. Love was the only one who stayed. Love wanted to stay until it started sinking. When love was almost sinking, love decided to ask for help. Wealth was passing by love in a beautiful boat. Love said, Wealth, can you take me with you? Wealth answered, No, I can't. There's a lot of gold and silver in my boat. There's no place for you here. So then love decided to ask Vanity, who was also passing by. Vanity, please help me. I can't help you, love. You are all wet and can probably damage my boat, Vanity answered. Sadness was close by, so love asked for help. Sadness, let me go with you. Oh, love, I'm so sad that I prefer to go alone. Happiness passed by love too, but she was so happy that she did not hear when love called her. Suddenly there was a voice. Come, love, I will take you. It was an elder. Love became so happy that love even forgot to ask the elder her name. When they arrived at dry land, the elder went on her way. Now love asked Knowledge, who was another elder, the name of the elder who had helped me. It was time, answered Knowledge. Time? But, but why did time help me, asked Love. Because only time is capable of understanding how valuable love is, answered Knowledge. Now, what is the moral of the story, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, you can kind of like draw your own conclusions from this, of course. But I think that love, real love, true love, is something that we learn to recognize and appreciate as time goes by. There are a lot of things out there that may appear to be love, but sadly, we find out that those things are not an example of love at all. I believe that no matter what we encounter in our lives, good and bad, time will reveal to us what love really is. We just have to be ready to receive it. This next song peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot R&B Singles Chart in 1990 for two weeks. And it was number 34 on the Hot 100. The music video was directed by actress Lisa Bonet, who, if we remember, played Denise Huxtable on The Cosby Show. And just another little fun fact, she and actor-musician Lenny Kravitz are parents to actress Zoe Kravitz, who portrayed Catwoman in the live-action DC film, The Batman. <laughs> 
Here is American R&B group, Tony, 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 with It Never Rains in Southern California. Come 
That was Sir Paul McCartney and the late great King of Pop, Michael Jackson with Say, 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 which was a song that was written by both artists and released in October, 1993 as the lead single to McCartney's 1983 album, Pipes of Peace. And it was produced by George Martin. And the song was recorded during the production of McCartney's Tug of War album. Okay, so it was it was on the Pipes of Peace album, but it was produced like a year later while he was working on Tug of War. And um, it was actually released before, or I'm sorry, it was actually produced before The Girl Is Mine, which was the song between uh, Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney on Michael Jackson's 1982 thriller album. All right. So after its release in October of 83, Say 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 became Jackson's seventh top 10 hit inside a year. And it was a number one hit in the United States, which was his sixth consecutive number one single. In 2013, Billboard magazine listed the song as the 41st biggest hit of all time on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. And it also was voted the ninth best collaboration of all time in a Rolling Stone readers poll. Well, kings and queens, it looks like we've come to the end of another show. I do hope that the information provided will be of help to you. Remember, it's always a good idea to do your own research, no matter what the topic is, especially if your life is involved. Thank you so very much for tuning in this week, and I'm looking forward to being with you all again here in the village next week and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to follow Village Mentality on Instagram at villagementality.ckm as in Mary and on Facebook at Village Mentality, the podcast. You can also catch all episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public. And there is a link to uh, each episode available on Instagram at, again, villagementality.ckm and Facebook at Village Mentality, the podcast. You can also catch it at theawakenlounge.com backslash village hyphen mentality. And just remember, God has got me and he's got you too. Be blessed, beautiful people. And here's to brighter days. Energy so stellar, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree. We used to be so happy. We used to have everything we need.